Hello, it's your friendly neighborhood host, J.T. Wheatley, back again for another episode of the History Comics Podcast. This time, continuing our biographies on the great black comic book artists of the Golden Age, and this time with the extraordinary life of Eugene Brilbrew. It's often true that many artists don't find out where exactly they're going from where they began, and nothing is ever stranger than the life of Eugene Brilbrew, who started out in entertainment in the world as a singer, only to go into illustration and cartooning, and later into the underground world of fetish art. It is the kind of story that can only be true as few people are creative enough to make this up. Eugene Brilbrew was born on uh, June 29, 1923 in Los Angeles, California, the son of Omri, a.k.a. Watson, and Carrie Brilbrew. He enlisted in the Army on May 18, 1943, was out by that summer. Brilbrew would later sing with a quartet called the Melotones. Music ran in the family as Eugene's Uncle Ralph was a popular baritone singer who married the... Uh, to the former Alice C. Harris, who herself sang under the name A.C. Bilbrew. Known as Madame Bilbrew, she appeared in the 1929 movie Hearts of Dixie, the first black talking motion picture, performing as a hoodoo woman. She later toured the country with her A.C. Bilbrew choir, quickly becoming one of the leading gospel singers in the country. Madame Bilbrew was a civil rights activist as well and an NAACP supporter. In 1955, she wrote The Death of Emmett Till, a two-part protest song recorded by the Ramparts about the horrific lynching of the 14-year-old Till in Mississippi. With a family like this, it's no doubt that helped uh, Eugene Bilbrew and his group, the Melatones, who were managed by actor Manton Moreland and his partner Ben Carter. They began touring with Earl Fafa Haynes and Duke Ellington and eventually came to the attention of Lena Rain, who signed them to the recording contract for his exclusive records. Ormond Wilson, the founder of the group, changed their name to the Basin Street Boys, reviving the name of the group from the 1930s, and together they made the hit I Sold My Heart to the Junk Man in the summer of 1946. The Basin Street Boys would later appear on Dick Lane's local L.A. television variety show and went on tour in 1947. The singing group's fame continued to grow when they appeared on the February 2nd issue of Cashbox. During this time, Eugene Brewer used his stage name, Gene Price. That would, they would record five more records but split up in 1951 when their popularity started to dwindle. However, Bill Brew was already developing another talent for his next career. During his singing career, Bilbrew also provided illustrations for Roy Milton's Milltone Records around 1946-1947, which he provided with Bill Alexander, another black artist. With Alexander, Bilbrew was rumored to have created the Bronze Bomber, which, was, which some would claim would be the first black superhero, first appearing in the black newspaper Los Angeles Sentinel. However, this cannot be confirmed. Brubrew later worked at the Let's Live magazine, a health magazine that promoted eating vegetables and soy, and then moved to New York City in 1951. There he worked on Clifford in the Spirit, taking over for the legendary Jules Pfeiffer, who created a strip of a child that talked like an adult. Brubrew talked took over for Pfeiffer after he was drafted in the U.S. Army, and the fact that he was chosen to take over his creation cannot be underestimated. Unfortunately, the strip would end the next year with the entire spirit comic book section due to a loss of leadership. Despite this, Bilbrew decided to go to the cartoonist and illustrator school to hone his skills, and it was there that he met Eric Stanton, a pioneer in underground and fetish art, who introduced him to the subgenre. Now working in this new style, Bilbrew would later return to Los Angeles to work for the notorious publisher Irving Claw, providing art for the fetish magazine under the pseudonym Enig, 
while also working with other, other underground publishers like Edward Miskin, Stanley Malkin, and the Sturman Brothers. He also produced illustrations and covers for Leonard Burton's Exotic Geek, a fetish magazine that ran from 1955 to 1959. In 1961, Brubu became an art director for the men's magazine Orbit for Sylvie Associates, where he created cartoons like Astrogal, which was rather tamer compared to his previous work. Bill Brew still kept a foot in the music world, doing art for the Charles Mingus record Octet in 1953 for debut records. In 1965, he did art for Charles Mingus Record Club in the Village Voice, along with covers for the Wholesale Brook Club in the 1970s. However, Bill Brew's experience in fetish art would lead to years of rumors and innuendo, including claims he was a cross-dresser and heroin addict. Eubin Bill Brew died on May of 1974 in California. In 2019, the National Letter Association International, a BDMS organization, established an award in Eubin Brilbrew's name for creators of fetish art. He had a rather unorthodox career path, going from singer to cartoonist to fetish artist. But as the great John Lennon once said, life is what happens when you are making other plans, and Brew's life was no exception, taking turns not even he could have predicted. I would like to thank the chief source for this episode, Invisible Men, the trailblazing black artist of comic books by Ken Quattro, which reaches a great biography on Eubin Bilbrew along with numerous other black artists of the Golden Age, a must-read for any comic book fan. Super Kick Party. It's the wrestling podcast from the host, who is the hammer swinging, burrito eating, well, you know the rest of Thunder Talk. Sexy. Four. It's the Ring of Thunder found in the Thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network. And now is June 3rd, 2021. Time for the favorite comp of the week. Noctera, number four, by Scott Snyder and Tony S. Daniel, that finds Val and Bailey uh, blazing through the darkened earth landscape, trying to find the supposed sanctuary that uh, Bailey's uh, grandfather hinted at, all while the um, serial killer Blacktop Bill is chasing after them with uh, Bailey's grandfather strapped to his hood. This is another dark and exciting uh, thrill ride that really begins to continue to explore the world, both in flashbacks and in the current situation of a world without uh, sunlight, and also the monstrous shades that are now inhabiting it, which are really things of horror. But nothing is more terrifying than Blacktop Bill and Smith, and Snyder really does a great job with some great characters and settings and so forth, and really does a great job of exploring this world that he makes you go, I hope this world gets explored thoroughly, because it's very interesting all in all. And it's matched perfectly by Daniels' art, which is this gritty, highly detailed, and action-packed, and there's some great depictions of all the shades and the settings, and of course, Blacktop Bill, whose blacked-out look is just unsettling when you put it up against everything else. He's just a truly creepy monster, and one of the better uh, villains I've seen in recent, uh, in recent years in comic books. All in all, this has been a, one of the most best original uh, comic books to come out in the, the last, recent years and so, so it's definitely worth picking up. So yeah, Nocturne number four, that's my favorite comic of the week. And until then, join me again for another uh, sequence in the great uh, black creators of comic books. And then join me again next week, but until then, go out and enjoy yourself a good comic book.